0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of FitRx. I'm your host, Dr. Greg Dennis. Today is kind of an, a year end review, and I can't believe that I have had my podcast for a year. It was actually a year, several weeks ago. With that, I just want to thank everybody that listens to this podcast. It's become way bigger than I ever dreamed. I had this silly idea to start a podcast, and I didn't know if anybody would listen. And then here I am a year later, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. So for those of you who listen, thank you. And so unfortunately, you have to hear me talk today instead of interviewing a guest. But I just wanted to take this time to go back and kind of review some of my favorite episodes, maybe some of the things that I've learned. And so before I start, you know, I don't really advertise on this podcast. I didn't start this podcast to make money. Uh, The only things that I'm going to endorse are things that I believe in and something that I do, and so really the only thing thus far that I have really endorsed is a whoop strap. So I did a whole episode on the whoop strap, uh, and for those of you who don't know what a whoop strap is, it's just a little wearable that you wear on your wrist, and it tracks data. And it tracks, uh, most importantly to me, is the sleep data, and it gives you a readiness score And it basically tells you if you're in the green, if you're in the yellow, if you're in the red, how hard you need to push it that day, if you're going to work out. And then what I like about it is you can maybe change some things up and see what kind of difference it makes on your sleep score, on your readiness score. It tracks heart rate variability, which is a good uh, indicator of just overall health. And so I just like seeing that kind of data and then trying to manipulate it and, you know, see what kind of progress I can make. So this is a health and wellness podcast and to me it's a it's a good tracker. I wear it all the time. I wear it in the sauna. I wear it in the pool. Uh, wear it when I work out. Uh, it tells you the strain instead of just the amount of steps you take like, uh, you know, an Apple Watch or Fitbit or something would do. It actually tells you how much strain you're getting. So if you're interested in finding out more, you can go back, listen to that podcast Uh, I think it's titled Whoop. If you're interested in getting a Whoop, um, I still have a discount on that. You can go to join.whoop, W-H-O-O-P dot com slash FitRx, and I believe you get uh, $30 off, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I am probably going to be endorsing another product that I've been looking at that I'm kind of excited about called Lumen, uh, L-U-M-E-N, and it's a neat little device that you you can do it first thing in the morning or multiple times during the day, and it tells you if you're burning carbohydrates or burning fat, and so it's assessing your metabolic flexibility. And if you've listened to this podcast, hopefully you're familiar with that term, metabolic flexibility. To me, that's the ultimate goal: is to become metabolically flexible. And so this is a little device that can uh, kind of let you know where you're at if you're just burning carbohydrates or if you're, you know, how well your body is at burning fat. So. I've been messing with it uh, for the last few weeks. I'm likely going to have a podcast coming up at some point where you can learn more about it. But if you just want to get a head start, you can go to Lumen.me. And if you want to go ahead and get one of those, uh, you can use my code, uh, DrGreg, all lowercase, D-R-G-R-E-G. And I believe it's close to $30 off that one as well. So, uh, okay. So as I look back... At starting these podcasts, my very first ones were about fat burning. I had a fat burning one and fat burning two. I have also given this as lectures in the community. That's uh, still probably one of my favorite talks to give, as I give uh, you know kind of a condensed version in clinic almost every day. And so I still really haven't changed on you know the principles that I I taught in that, and mainly that is that I want people to start viewing food as not calories, but um, as a hormonal issue. That is, if you're trying to lose weight. So it's not about calories in versus calories out. It's about what it's doing to your hormones and specifically insulin. And I talked a lot about that in that episode. And obviously, most people know that what increases insulin is carbohydrates, Um, mostly processed carbohydrates, but carbohydrates of any kind. So breads, pastas, cereals, crackers, chips, Cokes, candies, desserts, and even diet Cokes. They may not raise your glucose, but they, because the brain senses it as sweet, it's going to raise your insulin. Well, insulin is a storage hormone, and so insulin is going to therefore promote those calories to be stored as fat. So if you want to lose a lot of weight, you've got to lower your insulin levels. And unfortunately, doctors don't check it fasting insulin levels much which I'll talk about that here in a second but it's a great marker for your overall health but you've got to decrease your insulin levels and we do that by decreasing carbohydrates now i have also during this year talking to a lot of experts we've we've talked a lot about keto so you probably know you know everyone kind of compare if we're talking about low carb they're thinking about keto which is high fat low carb now i am a fan of keto i'm not one of these guys that it's keto or bust But for somebody who needs to lose a lot of weight, or if you're diabetic, keto is a great way to go. For somebody that doesn't need to lose a lot of weight, you still need to keep an eye on your insulin levels, but you don't have to be as strict as far as the higher fat. Um, One kind of overall principle that I tell people in the clinic, whether you're talking about keto or paleo or whatever... Just to make a diet simple is to eat uh, foods with one ingredient, okay? That's just a a great uh, overall uh, tool to use. And so what do I mean by that? Well, eggs, they have one ingredient. Steak, one ingredient. Fish, one ingredient. Chicken, broccoli, you get where I'm going. So it's real foods. The contrast to that is a box of Cheerios, okay? If you look at a box of Cheerios, it's probably going to have, I don't know, six or seven, eight ingredients, okay? And, And that's all our processed foods that's making us sick. If you want to lose weight, lower your insulin levels, eat real foods. Another concept that I talked about in these fat burning lectures was fasting. And I did a uh, interview with Jen Stevens who wrote a book about fasting. And so if you're interested in fasting, go back and listen to that. But uh, fasting can help lower insulin levels. It can help Uh, Get rid of excess skin because your body kind of eats that away, something called autophagy. And fasting, because of that autophagy, fasting is just a great uh, overall longevity tool because it can decrease risk of cancer. It can heal your gut. Uh, And so whether you need to lose weight or not, I think everybody should incorporate some form of intermittent fasting in their regimen. That doesn't have to be every day. I actually don't fast As much as I used to, Um, but I still, again, it's still a part of my regimen. And So maybe a few times a week, look at doing a 16-8 fast. And so what that means is you uh, eat all your calories in an eight-hour period and um, fast for 16 hours. And that, for a lot of people who aren't used to this, that sounds like a lot, but it's really not. So if you stop eating at 7 o'clock at night, um, you get up the next morning, and you skip breakfast and you can have black coffee, unsweet tea, or water, nothing else. You want to do what Jen Stevens calls a clean fast. And then you go till noon, you just went 16 hours. And so sometimes you have to work up to that, but that's a you know a great starting point. And then as your body gets used to that, we'll start fasting a little bit longer, just occasionally. You don't have to do it very often, maybe once a week, every other week. You know, skip breakfast and lunch, maybe do a 20 hour fast and then once you get used to that maybe quarterly do a two-day or even a three-day fast where you're drinking water so they call it a water fast so very very good for your health and longevity now i will put a little asterisk in there that if you are on certainly diabetes medicines especially insulin um, please don't just go fast for three days Uh, that needs to be under a doctor's supervision other things I talk about in that fat burning lecture uh, was exercise. You know that's that's kind of common sense, and we may talk a little bit more about exercise later. I talk about uh, I talked about cold thermogenesis. That was the first time I've introduced that, which is basically getting yourself cold, and that was um, one of my other first podcasts that I did, where I interviewed a friend of mine, Scott Landis, um, who in my opinion, is kind of the local Wim Hof. Wim Hof they call the Iceman. And so he's the one that got me into that. And so it's funny. People have seen my videos and they say, do you still get in the cold pool in the wintertime? And I say, yes, absolutely I do. So we're coming up on that time of year. The pool's getting cooler. And of course, I've been in it. Um, I love cold thermogenesis. Uh, I love the, the health benefits that it has. I love the way it makes me feel. So that's still a part of my regimen in the wintertime where I get in my sauna, uh, and I rinse off and I get in the pool and I stay there anywhere, you know, from three to five minutes. Um, again, if you have health issues, if you have heart problems, don't go jump in the pool in the wintertime. But, um, that was an entertaining episode where I got to interview my friend and, um, one of these days I want to uh, maybe do another one when we're trying to interview in the pool, uh, you know, in the wintertime. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) Um, Shortly thereafter, I interviewed my wife um, about direct primary care. And it was then that I made the announcement that I was moving from Mercy, which was, uh, you know, corporate medicine to direct primary care. You know, I probably talked about that uh, several years prior to that, I had begun to just question the quote standard of care. And I begin realizing that our healthcare system cared nothing for my health. It cares nothing for your health. It's a big money-making machine. And uh, now after COVID people are realizing that more and more they're, you know, they're seeing healthcare is getting exposed and they're seeing the inadequacies of healthcare. And so people are looking for something different, but, um, I had made that decision because I just felt like corporate medicine wasn't a fit for me anymore, and so I left, um, you know, didn't start till February, but I joined my wife doing direct primary care, which is a monthly membership-based practice where we don't take insurance, and what's nice about that is we have fewer patients. We spend a long time with them to where we can talk about nutrition and, you know, work on getting them off their medications and we're available to them all the time. And we have other modalities that we do for their overall health, like hormone optimization. And so we can really focus on all those things in a direct primary care setting. So if you are not familiar with direct primary care, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that episode I'm a big believer in direct primary care. I think it's it's a way to go. There's a lot of doctors leaving corporate medicine and going towards that style of practice. Uh, and so if you're looking for something different in healthcare, you know, whether you're, you know, if you're in Oklahoma, I'd love for you to come see us. If you're not, uh, seek out a direct primary care physician. Now, not all of them are going to be wellness minded like we are and, you know, talk about vitamins and, you know, the importance of those. Um, but it's a good start, and at least they're getting away from the corporate model, and you can, you'll be able to spend more time with your doctor. So I would encourage you to, to seek out a direct primary care physician. Um, next episode, which has been, uh, and this kind of surprised me, uh, one of the most downloaded episodes of, of all, and that the title of it was The Miracle of High-Dose Vitamin D. Don't know why that caught a nerve with people, but it did, and a lot of people listened to that, and it was uh, very interesting. the The guy I can't remember his name that I interviewed, um, um, but you know he was entertaining. He's a little different, um, but really enjoyed talking to him. And he talked about all his research that he had done, showing the benefits of high dose vitamin D. You know, since that time, and I kind of knew this, but I have really discovered the importance of vitamin d i mean it it really is as important as he said it was if not more and now that we are in covid i am a believer that vitamin d is one of if not the main factor that contributes to the outcomes of covid so if your vitamin d is very high or at least high normal From what I've seen in my practice, especially if you couple that with being metabolically healthy, you're going to do fine with COVID. And I'll probably talk about COVID here in a minute. Um, But, you know, vitamin D, and we mentioned this in the podcast, vitamin D is really not a vitamin. It was misnamed. It's actually a hormone based on just physiologically the way that it works. And so it does so many things in the body. And it contributes to the health of your immune system. Uh, Obviously, it contributes to to bone health, to hormone health, and so it's just so important. Uh, For whatever reason, doctors don't check vitamin D levels very much. And to me, it's one of the most important markers that you could get on a blood test. So if you're getting like an annual physical or blood work and you do not know what your vitamin D level is, ask your doctor for vitamin D level. Um, at least you have a baseline, and then you will know how aggressive you need to be to get that level up. I like getting levels between 80 and 100. You know, the, the normal, quote, normal levels uh, on a lab are going to be anywhere from 30 to 100. I like them up higher, 80 to 100. If you get a little over 100, probably not that big of a deal. And to, to get it to those levels, especially if you're lower, you've got to be pretty aggressive. And so people are always asking me, how much vitamin D should I take? And, you know, usually my answer is, I don't know. It depends on what your level is. You can normally take five to 10,000, especially, you know, during the winter months and be okay, but it sure is helpful if we know where the starting point is. And then if we know the starting point is low, I'm very aggressive at getting that vitamin D level up. So I won't hesitate to start somebody on 20,000 I use a day of D3 Coupled with vitamin K2, which helps it absorb, and magnesium, which is a cofactor for vitamin D. So, again, can't stress the importance of uh, vitamin D enough. And especially if you have like autoimmune disease, you know, we talked about that in the podcast and, and the importance of really pushing the vitamin D high in the treatment of these autoimmune disease. So if you want to learn more about vitamin B, I encourage you to go back, listen to that episode. I, a lot of my podcasts come from reading books. I read a lot of books on health and wellness, and you know, and then I contact the author. Sometimes I get a hold of them, sometimes I don't, and then I'll interview them about their book. And so one of the people that I met through doing all this Is Dr. Robert Yoho. I actually just had him on the podcast recently for the second time. He's so far been my uh, only repeat guest, but I initially met him by a book he wrote titled Butchered by Healthcare. Um, This has been one of my favorite episodes because he did a great job exposing healthcare for what it is. Um, And it's, he really exposed the ugly truths of healthcare. And he, he talked about how medical journals that a lot of my physician friends will go by if we're talking quote evidence-based medicine they'll say well the you know the New England Journal of Medicine says this well the New England Journal of Medicine and many others are bought by big pharma as is the FDA sorry to say that uh, you know as is these governing organizations such as the American Heart Association. Uh, American Diabetes Association. Um, And so it's for that reason that doctors are not taught that you can reverse many diseases with nutrition and without drugs. And we're taught just to push drugs. And it's because all these governing organizations uh, are in bed with Big Pharma. So Big Pharma really kind of rules this. And it's, it's pretty sickening as you get into it, but he does a good job at at breaking all that down and talking about medical devices and and different things, and so if you have not heard "Butchered by Healthcare" or if you still think that our healthcare, you know, system, you know, wants the best for you, <laughs> you got to go back and listen to "Butchered by Healthcare" or go read the book. So, and I'm I'm not I'm, I'm kind of going back and looking at all my episodes here, and I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not going to touch on every single one. I'm just kind of, you know, getting getting the highlights of, of some of these. So uh, another one I do want to mention is why we get sick, and that was by Dr. Ben Bickman, who's a PhD researcher out of BYU. And this actually has been the most downloaded episode, or at least it was until the uh, one about COVID recently, um, and so people. Uh, love this episode and it's actually my personal favorite as well um, just because he does such a good job at laying out the the evidence of you know high insulin levels really being the root cause of many many chronic diseases and ways that we can go about reversing uh, many of these chronic diseases and since this episode I have used his quote many many times when talking to diabetics or talking about diabetes, in that we treat diabetes the wrong way because when we're treating diabetes, we look at the blood sugar. And I'm talking about type 2 diabetes, not type 1. That's a different animal. But blood sugar is not the problem, it's insulin. Insulin is the problem. And so his quote was when we're looking at just blood sugar, people go to the grave with great glycemic control. Meaning when we just focus on the blood sugar, not the insulin levels, these diabetics are still having heart attacks, they're still having strokes, they're still having kidney problems, they're still losing limbs, they're still getting eye problems and because we just keep putting them on medicines and then we add insulin and when we add insulin, another quote I use of his a lot is he says when we treat a diabetic with insulin, he said it's like treating an alcoholic with a glass of wine because we're just adding to the problem. And so doctors really need to get people off insulin. Now, we can't do that all the time, but if we catch these diabetics early, we certainly can. A lot of times it is too late, but if we catch it early, we, can, we need to get them off insulin, try to get them off these, uh, some of these pills that promote uh, insulin and lower the insulin levels. Well, how do we do that? Well, decrease your carbohydrates, eliminate processed carbohydrates. You exercise, build more muscle, you do some fasting. Um, and so, you know, that's a, a theme that seems to, uh, you know, be overwhelming in all this stuff when we talk about chronic disease is lower carb, exercise, fasting, all that stuff. But that's how we lower insulin levels, therefore lowering or decreasing uh, chronic disease. On that note, I introduce people to the carnivore diet uh, by interviewing... Dr. Sean Baker. And yes, the carnivore diet is what it sounds like, which is nothing but meat. So it's all animal products. Uh, I shouldn't say that. It's not nothing but meat. It's all animal products. So you're eating eggs, chicken, beef, organs, so liver, heart, and pretty much no vegetables. And yes, it is a healthy way to eat. Does everybody has to have to eat a carnivore? no. I mean, if they wanted to, is it healthy? Yes. And so we kind of dispel the myths that people need fiber and that people need vegetables and fruit. And, you know, we dispel the myth that specifically red meat, you know, causes heart disease and causes cancer. And none of that is true. Uh, you know, the, the people that I really push for something as strict as carnivore and carnivore is very strict. You know, it's the ultimate elimination diet. And so it's going to eliminate anything that your body could be reacting. And so there are some people out there who just, uh, I mean, they could react to anything. They could react to the sulforaphanes in broccoli, you know, which are chemicals in in broccoli. Now, generally, I think broccoli is probably a healthy food, but there are some people who are going to react to things like that. And so specifically people with autoimmune issues, so, you know, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, uh, you know things like that they can do very well with the carnivore diet if they have the self discipline to do it you know with what i do i read a lot and i'm on some forums uh health and wellness forums and stuff and i have seen more radical transformations on these carnivore websites and and just heard personal stories than than anything else like it's it's remarkable some of the transformations on people doing a a strict carnivore diet. I mean, just completely reversing, you know, a lot of chronic diseases and autoimmune diseases and, of course, diabetes. So after I interviewed Dr. Baker, uh, I interviewed a gal who um, I wanted because she's not a doctor and she had been doing carnivore for uh, six years. She calls herself the carnitarian and so I wanted just kind of a more layperson's view on doing something uh, like a carnivore diet and giving some daily kind of practical tips on eating that way. So if you're curious about the carnivore diet, go back, listen to both of those episodes. And also on that note, I'm going to kind of skip forward here. And I interviewed... Um, A dietitian, Michelle Hearn, and she wrote a book called The Dietitian's Dilemma. And great book, uh, really enjoyed the interview. And basically, this registered dietitian who was working in the hospital, and she began to realize that, you know, we're giving these diabetics carbohydrates, and then they just require more insulin because we keep giving them carbohydrates. And so when she started asking questions, she was basically just, you know, told to shut up. And, you know, that's how we do things. Uh, And carbohydrates are good. And so uh, she just began questioning the status quo, which, you know, more healthcare workers need to do. And as she began to question and research herself, she discovered that, hey, this ain't right. And so she started, you know, kind of experimenting on herself. And she was a long distance runner and even went to a fairly strict carnivore diet being a long distance runner and still does that somewhat today. And so uh, anyway, very uh, entertaining uh, podcast that, from a dietitian standpoint, that really dispels, uh, you know, the, the common belief that you should be eating all these grains and fruits and you know carbohydrates, and that meat and fats should be at the top of the pyramid. Um, it's really should be upside down. I had an interesting interview about weightlifting. Um, called weightlifting is a waste of time. And, uh, this, you know, is a guy who invented these bands and he has a, a system that he uses with these bands. And he talked about how this constant tension on the muscles causes increased muscle growth and that being in the gym is, is a waste of time and you're going to get injured. And, uh, he, I believe his system is called the X3 and I actually, have a set. And you know, it's it's pretty useful, especially if you're gonna go on vacation. It can fit in a in a suitcase. And so f- for that I like it, although I don't travel much, but certainly people who travel a lot, I think it, it does give you a pretty good workout and you could, you know, again stick in a suitcase and, you know, do these bands. I'm somebody that I like a barbell and I like the old fashioned weights. Um And and that's just me. But it it was certainly um, interesting. You know, on that note, I had back in the fall, I got certified as a CrossFit coach. And, you know, this was something I just wanted to do to get on the CrossFit physician's website. And so to do that, I had to get certified um, as a level one CrossFit trainer. And so it was there I met James Holbert, who was a previous competitive you know, CrossFit Games athlete, and he he was the one that led the class. And so he he talked a lot about uh, CrossFit, the benefits of CrossFit. And I've done CrossFit off and on for gosh four to five years. I haven't done it recently, hardly at all, in the last year. But you know, there's still a part of me that likes CrossFit. You know, one thing I like about CrossFit is it really forces you to get out of your comfort zone. And to switch it up and to do things that you normally wouldn't do, and it definitely gets your heart rate up. Um, you know where CrossFit gets a bad rap is people get hurt, and it's because they have poor form. And some of these movements, these Olympic lifts, are very technical. Um, but I think if you got a good coach, if you start off slow, and that if you if you're smart, CrossFit can be really good for people and it can be really healthy to increase mobility. And again, it definitely increases your heart rate and to change it up. Now, uh, especially at my age, I wouldn't go do CrossFit every day, but if you're just looking for something different in an exercise routine, um, I would check out CrossFit again. I just think you have to leave your pride at the door. And and these are just things I've learned that I didn't really necessarily talk about on the podcast, but, but I've learned with CrossFit is that I just need to keep the weights light as you're going through these workouts and you're still going to get a fabulous workout. So, but if you're too competitive and you're trying to RX every workout and try to be the top one, you know, you're, you're likely going to get hurt. But, um, I hope that, you know, to incorporate a little bit of CrossFit back into my routine here at some point, again, I haven't been doing it recently, but, um, you know, you can go back and listen to that episode and learn, you know, all about, CrossFit. I talked back in February of this year about the benefits of a sauna. Uh, I have a sauna. Absolutely love my sauna. And, you know, we talked about an infrared sauna versus a traditional sauna. And Actually, an infrared sauna technically isn't a sauna. It's just a hot box, but they call it a sauna. And I was corrected when I uh, interviewed uh, this gentleman um, because it's actually pronounced sauna. Um, but most of us around here, especially me from Oklahoma, I call it a sauna. But anyways, um, one of the most favorite things that I do in my routine uh, is I get in my sauna. Sauna has a ton of benefits. And you've probably heard me talking about this, that they did a huge study uh, in Finland over a, a 20-year period. They took, I believe it was 2,000 uh, men over again a 20 year time period and they took a group that rarely used the sauna then they took a group that used the sauna up to three days a week and then they a group that used the sauna four plus days a week and so what they found is this group of men again over a 20 year period that used the sauna uh, you know four plus days a week had a and again i don't have the study in front of me But it was uh, like a 30-something percent decrease in cardiovascular disease and like a 40-something percent decrease in all-cause mortality, meaning death from all causes. So there's a lot of health benefits to the sauna. And I remember when I learned this or when I saw that study, I was like, well, why don't we learn that? Why don't more cardiologists use that and recommend that? And I think that goes back to what I said earlier that, Again, our healthcare system is not out to make you healthy. It's a money-making machine. But the sauna is fantastic. And if, if you've, you know, one of the things that I would like for people to get out of this podcast, hopefully they've learned a little bit about nutrition. Hopefully they've incorporated some fasting. Hopefully they've exercised. But if you want to take it to the next level, get in a sauna. I realize not everybody can have a sauna at their house but you know, many gyms have a sauna. Um, you know, I know the YMCA has a sauna. So man, find a sauna, get in it regularly. You know, the study was done, men staying in there for 20 minutes at an average of 170 degrees. And so, you know, it, it doesn't take that long. So uh, again, it's, it's part of my regular routine. And if nothing else, which, again, I think it has a lot of health benefits, but even if it does nothing, man, it makes me feel so good. Uh, there's no doubt that sweating and sweating a lot, you're going to sweat out toxins. And, um, you know, so, again, it, I believe it is very healthy, but you just feel so, so good. So, uh, moving on, I got to interview Jimmy Moore. And for those of you who don't know Jimmy Moore, who Jimmy Moore is, he's a big name in the keto space and he's written several books. He's got his own podcast. And so uh Jimmy was a, a big big time guest and so I was lucky to get um Mr. Moore really enjoyed my conversation with him and we talked a lot about keto and his journey of all the weight he lost and how he continues to encourage people and educate you know physicians, other healthcare providers in the public on keto. And we also talked about cholesterol because he had written a book, um, about cholesterol where he interviewed, uh, some experts in the field, which brings me to, uh, another podcast episode where, um, I believe it was titled is cholesterol bad. And, um, this was actually one of my favorite episodes. Um, I got to interview Dr. Nadir Ali, um, who was a, or still is, a practicing interventional cardiologist out of Texas. And he really dispelled all the myths about cholesterol. And so I won't spend a long time on this subject, although I could because I'm I'm kind of passionate about it. And the reason I'm passionate about it is um, we have been deceived so much when it comes to cholesterol. I mean, I don't remember if it was him, but somebody I heard quote, it's one of the biggest deceptions of our modern day era. It's a multi-billion with a B dollar industry that came from uh, studies that were inaccurate and then big pharma got a hold of it and has been able to convince not only the medical community, but, you know, lay people that. Cholesterol is this, you know, all important thing, and it's just not true. Now, it's complicated. I'm not going to sit here and say that cholesterol never ever matters, but for the most part, it does not. Uh, again, it's a lot more complicated than that. But what I will say is that most doctors, and this includes cardiologists, sorry to say, uh, they do not know how to read a cholesterol panel properly, and I tell people this all the time. And it's hard pill to swallow. When you know somebody comes into my clinic and they say, Well, yeah, my cardiologist wants my cholesterol as low as possible, and I'm like, Yeah, that's BS. So when someone is reading a cholesterol panel, when I'm reading a standard cholesterol panel, now I'm not talking about the advanced lipid panels that you know break down the particle sizes and all that, just a standard cholesterol panel that your physician likes likely gets, and I, I still get these standard cholesterol panels because you can get some important information from, from it, but it's not the overall cholesterol. It's not necessarily the LDL cholesterol. So the important information you can get is the triglyceride level and your HDL level. Okay. HDL is considered quote, good cholesterol and triglycerides, you know, is the fat that, that your body is not metabolizing more or less. And so what we want is we want that triglyceride to HDL ratio is what we look at to be close to one to one. Okay. So we want your triglycerides to be really low. We want your HDL to be really high. Okay. And so let's just say you have a triglyceride level of 70. You have an HDL level of 70. Well, then you have a ratio of one to one. If you have that, then I don't care what your Overall cholesterol is certainly, and I don't care what your LDL cholesterol is, because what that tells me is that if you do have, let's just say you do have a high LDL level with a triglyceride to HDL ratio of one to one, that most of those LDL particles are big and fluffy, and which means they just do nothing. They're just floating around. They're not the small, more atherogenic particles. Now, you can get an advanced lipid panel and find that out. They check particle sizes. Um, or you can look at a triglyceride HDL ratio and have a pretty good idea. So it's kind of the poor man's way of doing this. And, you know, the Framingham Heart Study actually can confirmed that because when they went back and they looked at that, people who had high HDLs and low triglycerides, the LDL cholesterol mattered not. No, it mattered nothing, I mean, at all, as far as increased risk of heart disease. And so, unfortunately you know, we're in a healthcare system that we think any cholesterol is bad and we see high cholesterol and, uh, you know, your doctor puts you on a statin medication, which can potentially cause muscle cramps and, and it decreases cholesterol so much, which can increase uh, Alzheimer's disease. And it decreases your sex hormones because cholesterol makes sex hormones. And so it's just unfortunate at the, um, misinformation that's out there now. Uh, If you're on a cholesterol medicine, don't just stop your cholesterol medicine. You know, go talk to your doctor. But if you have a traditional doctor, unfortunately, they're not going to know this information. Uh, Point them to the interview with Dr. Nadir Ali, uh, who is fantastic. Again, he's a cardiologist who advocates a low-carb, higher-fat, even a carnivore, you know, mostly meat type of diet. Yes, he's a cardiologist, so he dispels that myth that meat causes heart disease. And we have to get away from this notion that eating fat is going to raise my cholesterol and make me have a heart attack, okay? I mean, most of my listeners probably know that not to be true. Now, if you're eating fat with carbohydrates like donuts all the time, well, then yes, that's not healthy. But if you replace fats with carbohydrates or eating fats instead of carbohydrates, you're not going to increase your risk of heart disease. And and certainly, you don't have to worry about cholesterol. Even if your cholesterol does go up on that type of a diet, most likely your triglycerides are going to go down, your HDL is going to go up, which means most of those cholesterol particles are going to be the big fluffy particles, which are irrelevant. Okay, so I talked about that longer than I had planned, but... Like I said, I get get passionate when I start talking about cholesterol because it's just so misunderstood. So, uh, you know, one of the cool things about doing this podcast is just the people I get to meet. And I got to meet Dr. Eric Westman, who is a professor at uh, Duke. And excuse me, not a professor. He's a physician at Duke and runs the weight loss clinic. And so he's very well known in the weight loss space. And so he has basically a keto clinic. And so he sees people from all over the United States teaches them keto type of a diet and I mean he has so many testimonials about you know weight loss and so it's pretty cool that he's associated with a big um, you know university like Duke but doing you know keto type medicine and so uh, I also uh, got to interview Vinny Totorich and I was actually on his podcast as well that's the other cool thing about doing this is I sometimes get to be on other people's uh, podcast and so get introduced into their uh, audience. And so um, I think that may have been my first podcast I was on as a guest was Vinny Tatorich. Um, but anyway, he is uh, well-known in the low-carb space. He's got uh, obviously his own podcast and um, he's made some, some movies that um, I, I believe you can find on Netflix uh, fat a documentary he has fat a documentary one fat a documentary two and so he's just a, a great resource and how he dis you know he dispels the uh the myths of kind of our traditional you know food guide pyramid and and all that so i'm going to finish it off there for this week and ended up making this a two-part series and so i will finish kind of summarizing the rest of the episodes next week. So I appreciate you guys listening, and we'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening to Fit RX. I invite you to share this with friends and family. If you would like, you can check out our website at vibrantlifeDC.com, or you can email me at drgreg at vibrantlifeDC.com.